Hello, welcome back or welcome to the MR Running Pains podcast. This is Coach Aaron Saft, and today's guest is Patrick Reagan. Patrick is my coach, um, as well as the coach of you know a number of other um, athletes that are ranging in abilities, and uh, many of whom are professionals. Uh, so Patrick has a great experience um, with coaching, running. Uh, he's just a, a great guy, and I love and value his um, his knowledge um, and opinions about uh, training. So in this episode, uh, as I mentioned here, kind of early on in the episode. Um, we had a question come in from Timothy Nooney uh, about um, training weekends and training camps, doing three-day blocks, back-to-backs, um, big long runs. So Patrick and I dive deep in depth on this topic and talk about uh, you know what it will take, how to set it up, how to recover, all of that. We try to answer all these questions, and I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. So I want to thank Patrick again for his time, energy, and his knowledge uh, in this topic. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Patrick Reagan, and I'll be back with you after the episode to catch up with you and tell you what's going on here in the world of MR Running Pains. Enjoy. All right. Well, I want to thank Mr. Patrick, Coach <laughs> Reagan for coming on here and being a part of this. So Patrick, um, why don't you start with just a little bit about, about you and, uh, you know, all that you do and who you are. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, nice to be on the podcast. I feel like this is maybe my third or fourth time chatting with you. Yeah. Yeah. We've been on live on your podcast. Frequent, I mean, we chat, guests. Frequent guests. <laughs> we chat very often. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm Patrick Reagan, um, a professional ultra runner at Hoka, uh, and Goo Energy Labs. Uh, I've got support from Ultra Aspire, Dry Max, Compressed Sport. They're awesome companies. Um, I live here in Savannah, Georgia. You know, not to go through the, the whole list of sponsors. Um, so I live here in Savannah, Georgia, <laughs> and I'm also you know super passionate about um, you know playing music. Um, I've got a plethora of different interests outside of ultra running, but my main focus is athlete and coach. So I coach about thirty people on a regular basis. That's usually my cap through my company and work with a few other partner coaches. Awesome. And, um, just so everybody knows your, your education background. Yeah. So I was educated in exercise science at slippery rock university of Pennsylvania, uh, with an undergraduate in that field, um, and a minor in coaching. Right on. And you also coached, um, collegiately, uh, correct? Yeah. So I coached in the NAI. Uh, which is about somewhere between the competitive nature of NCAA Division Two, Division Three, but separate from the NCAA. Uh, I coached uh, as an assistant coach and then as a head coach for seven years following one year as an assistant. Nice. All right. Very good. Um, so uh, as I was discussing with Patrick before we started recording, um, this question kind of came in from um, Tim Nooney. And Tim, it was a great question. Um, you know, what is the efficacy of kind of a, a long kind of training camp, training weekend, be it, you know, a big back-to-back or a three-day um, versus doing one big effort. So, um, you know, Patrick and I are going to kind of go into the intricacies of, um, you know, all of these and, and you know, positives, negatives. So um, I guess we could start with, um, Patrick, when, when we think about, you know, planning one of these, um, let's say it's, you know, the, the three-day variety or if we're planning kind of one of the the bigger runs, at what point in the training would you say this is going to fall? Well, 
I think a good litmus test and a good bar to look at, like most things, is the Western States Endurance Run. Uh, you know, one of the older training camps that exists, and you get to see the final seventy miles of the course. It usually follows falls on Memorial Weekend, so we're about five weeks, four and a half to five weeks from race day, and I think that's a pretty ideal time to do one really big build. If you're going to follow, say, for example, a hundred mile course, that from experience, um, having done it once with the camp. And then once outside of the camp with my friend, Chris Brown is about the way to do it. You should go in, you know, kind of pseudo tapering <laughs> into the week. In my opinion, you know, I, I, I really like about a hundred miles a week during a training camp week. So I would only do about 30 or 40 heading into 70 miles in three days at, at the very maximum. Right. And that's, uh, that's a good point right there. And we can kind of bounce around because I think people are going to have a lot of takeaways from the conversation, but um, you know, I, I think something that, uh, has come out, especially from like Carmichael training systems is that, um, this three day block is going to be about 70% of your weekly volume. So, um, just like he was saying, if it's a hundred mile week, that's, you know, a 70 mile block over three days. Um, now how those three days are kind of broken out, we can get into that as well, but, um, you know, leading into something like that. So we're looking about, five to six weeks out from goal race, right? Um, in this case, we're talking a hundred miler. Now, what would you say is, um, would this be something that somebody could do, you know, kind of taking that same 70% of maximum volume for, you know, a, a 50 K or 50 miler. Is that something that, you know, you'd probably advocate for? Yeah. So let's say you're a working professional and, um, you're doing a 50 K race your usual training volume is somewhere between 40 and 50 miles per week. When training for that 50 K your usual long run is about, let's say somewhere between 18 and 20 miles, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> putting some rough numbers on it. Sure. I do believe that it would be good to get 70% of your weekly volume over the course of three days, but go in maybe with a few days of cross training and a few days of light hiking and light running leading into a training camp like that. The nice thing about if your training volume is closer to 40 to 50 is you can do that entire 50 K course. You could see every step of it mm -hmm. over the course of three days. So you may want to do something like eight, 12, 14. Does that work out? What's the matter? Uh, <laughs> eight, 12, 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, something of that nature where maybe you do two eight milers and then, then a long run, you know, you kind of stack those days in a row. I do believe that if, if you go into training camp weekend like that relatively tired it is a pretty good simulation by the time you hit 10 percent in your training camp to go that's how you should feel at the end of the the race you know from a durability perspective so it's, yeah. a, it's a good gauge in terms of how is my training coming along untapered am i feeling like i can complete this thing and and really the training camp you know for me is is two purposes twofold in that way so you know we could also look at the 50 mile specialist or someone preparing for a 50 mile race that can maybe get up to 65 or 70 miles a week, right? What's the math on that, Aaron? I mean, we're talking maybe 45 to 50 miles over the course of three days. Yep. And I think that that is excellent as well. So just because you're preparing for the hundred mile distance doesn't necessarily even mean you need to go to the camp and run the whole thing. Maybe there's a way that you could get a little bit of a lead up on the group, hike the first five miles of day one, 
and roll in to, to run the race at say hundred mile perceived exertion for the latter stages of each training camp day. So there are a lot of different ways you could cut up a training camp. I think that the purpose for you is to make sure you get out of it unscathed, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Because one of the negatives, you know, potentially is you've got a lot of volume here, you know, we're creating a lot of fatigue it could lead to over fatigue or, you know, worse injury. So, um, two of the negative side effects that come along with this. So, um, you know, with that said, what are some things that the, you know, a person that's looking to do something like this, what should they kind of have as, you know, almost like benchmarks on the way leading up to, you know, a weekend like this? So I would say the week before uh, a training camp like this, you know, we, we can kind of go in reverse there. A week before a training week like this, this is going to be an extremely taxing training week. I'm not saying it's going to be as hard as your 100-mile race or your 50-mile race or even your 50K race, depending on how you split up that camp, right? We, we're using 70% as the gauge, 70% of your weekly volume distance over the course of three days. However you look at it, I do believe it would be great to take a deload week leading into it where you're dropping the training volume a little bit and you're almost having a pseudo taper, say, six and a half or seven weeks out from your event, probably a pretty good time to rest anyway, before you get one more really big volume, maybe two more really big volume weeks in heading into the training camp. I would say that if you're going to do a training camp, like four and a half, five weeks, six weeks before your race, I wouldn't expect to get a ton of training in after the training camp. So I would personally, for myself or an athlete I was coaching, want leg speed, you know, VO2 max, like you want to be like nice and fine tuned heading into the training camp. You want to have most of your really high volume weeks kind of in the bag at that point, because my, my personal experience at least, or runners I've seen to go to training, go to training camps, get pretty excited at them. And there's some days that end up, Hey, I'm running with one of my potential competitors in this event at a specific training camp. And I think we overextend a little bit sometimes at the camp in general. So I think if you can go into the training camp, having most of the work in, it, it would be a really good scenario because heading out of it, you'd be in a much more likely state to stay healthy for the remainder of the build and get to the starting line healthy. So I personally don't expect after Memorial day weekend to get in much work for Western States. Like at that point, it's really just kind of dropping the bottom out fine tuning a little bit, working on some things from a very like course specific perspective that I would have for an event like Western States. So maybe I see at training camp, what, what was the point? I got to practice nutrition. I got to, you know, my experience at Western States training camp, I got to run a lot with Casey Licktag. I got to run a lot with Ian Sherman, my advisor and coach. I spent my time with runners. I knew were really smart on the course and people that I knew had a vast knowledge including Scott Wolf, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Asheville area guy, yep. um, people that could tell me, Hey, this is a turn that's, you know, you'll hit this in the dark, right? Keep your eyes peeled here to get to know that step-by-step -by, -step by veterans at a race, um, or at a, at a training camp is a really good plan. So maybe, maybe a runner here is heading to Western States training camp <laughs> in just about five weeks that here's your podcast, Aaron. And they say, okay, rather than racing training camp, pushing every climb as hard as I can, descending as hard as I could, I should go there and practice race day nutrition and a hundred mile perceived exertion. Cause that will really give you the best concept of heading out of it. 
what do I need to work on in my final four to five weeks before the race, right? You still have a little bit of time. So for me, I knew, okay, I need to improve my hiking speed. If I want to stay with Ian (laughs) on race day in in 2019, I've got to get better at hiking. And I came home and I practiced, you know, 4.2 miles per hour on a 15% grade hike, hike, hike after almost every run, right? Um, well, after almost four runs, five runs a week. So me and Magda, when Magda was my, was my coach at that point, we had really dialed into the specifics of, um, making sure I was prepared for the specificity of the course. So that's what we're looking for from a training camp is prepare for this, the specificity you will see on race day. And, you know, um, not to say that there's training camps for, for everything, um, you know, obviously Western States is a good blueprint and you, you talked about how, um, you know, that, uh, people can manipulate the each day. Like it's, if it's a set distance that, you know, that perhaps they could walk a little bit to start and then join into the run, um, so that they meet their goals. Um, now, you know, obviously other people can kind of take this blueprint and apply it towards, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, cruel jewels coming up, right. Um, a good old Southern race here, which is very accessible to people. You know, there's plenty of places people can camp and make a weekend of it and, and kind of replicate um, a training camp and looking at their, their volume. How would you set up, you know, um, each day? Like, what are we looking at volume wise each day? What, what makes sense? Not specific numbers. Like, you know, I'm not asking you to say like, Oh, you know, day one should be 12 miles day two. It's uh, I guess what percentage of that, 70% of the weekly volume, would you say is, uh, adequate for each day? I'd say 30, 20, 20. Okay. Or 30, 22, 18. Um, you know, that, and, and I go back to States here. <laughs> I, I do think that personally, I don't want to run 30% on day three of the 70 mile training camp. Right. Right. Or I don't want to run 30% of my volume from training camp on the final day. And, and for you, for a runner listening, that may be a 40 mile training camp over the course of three days, not 70 or 72 like Western States. So what I would suggest is get your biggest day out of the way first, get your second biggest day out of the way second, mm-hmm. and don't, don't really think you're going to have too much left on day three. So I would, I would descend in volume as I went personally. I think it's a little easy to go out the gates a little bit hot on day one of a training camp get really overexcited, feel really happy, positive about being on the course. But by day three, maybe those quads are a little beat up from so much downhill running because you live in a city and you're training for cruel drill. You only train on the trails two days a week, three days in a row on the cruel drill trails will, will beat almost anybody up. Right. (laughs) So I don't care if you run in the mountains every day. I mean, there's a lot of technicality. There's a lot of elevation change. Um, you know, slick underfoot conditions in the springtime in this region. So what I'd say is get your biggest day out of the way first and go into that day very fresh. Like, you know, maybe eliminate your quality session that week. Maybe just do a really nice light day with some strides the day before day one of training camp, you know, 10K and some strides or, you know, 6%, 8% of your weekly volume and some strides. I think that would be really healthy heading in. Cool. Um, we've, we've talked about the Western States training camp, but how is that set up? Um, you know, what is their daily mileage? What does that look like for a runner? Yeah. So you run the last 70 miles of the course on day one, not only is your, it your longest mileage, but it's your longest amount of time on the course because you come from 
the highest elevation you'll see at the training camp, which is Robinson Flat, um, right around 7,200 feet maybe. And you'll descend 17 miles <laughs> all the way to the base of Devil's Thumb before climbing up. And you will eventually get to Forest Hill, which is the essentially the 100K mark of the Western States course. So we're talking mile 30 to mile 62. So we're talking about at least 50K, if not closer to 32 miles for day one. Day two, you go from Forest Hill to the river. And let's see, mile 61 or 62 to mile 80, 81-ish, right? Something like that. I, I believe Rucky Chucky is actually. 78 but there's only one way to get out <laughs> of that part of the course because they don't boat you over that day and the way out is to climb up to uh, there's a flat portion after the river and it's about a you know two and a half mile power hike out it's called driver's flat so you cover i guess about 20 that day somewhere between 19 and 20 okay and you know you'll see some runners like casey because her percent volume, well, let's say 70% over the course of three days of her volume, if she's running 120 or 140 miles a week, she'll get to the top of driver's slot and say, Hey, I'm going to run back and get my training partner. And she'll do 40 that, or, you know, closer to 30 that day. So a runner like Casey to get closer to that 70%, she may actually cover something like 35 or 40 on day one, and then closer to like 25 or closer to the marathon mark on day two, you know, just from a, just from a durability standpoint, she seems to be able to string those big days together. Now, day three, so to clarify, 32 miles, right around 20 miles, and then day three is right about 18 or 19 miles. And that takes you all the way to the track at Western States. So that's a really good mark to look at. Um, 32 miles seems like a lot on day one, but remember, 17 miles of that is downhill, right? So... If you don't just blow your quads and run it as hard as possible, you could be in a really good state at the bottom of Devil's Thumb, and that 17 might be worth 12 relative on rolling terrain. If you just kind of took, hey, lots of steps, very little vertical displacement, I'm not going to beat my quads up. The point is to like season them a bit, but go into day two and three like healthy and feeling like I didn't blow my quads day one. Cool. Right on. So if I was doing something like this for Umstead or Old Dominion, I, I think it's very applicable to East Coast runs, right? I think sure. it's extremely applicable to Cruel Joel. I don't know if you want to run 70 miles on the Cruel Joel course before race day. You know, I mean, it's 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 a tough course. Right. Maybe you want to run 20 on day one on fire roads, do your biggest day on day two on the Cruel Joel course. So maybe 20 day one flatter, maybe a little rolling kind of simulate some of those what middle faster sections or throughout. There are some faster sections, right? Where you hit some fire roads day two, you could do your big elevation gain day. So you get to the end of day two and you're like, cool. I've covered about 52 miles. Day three is just an 18 mile hike. So maybe it's a lot of time on feet, but it's very, very little in terms of uh, intensity. You know, maybe you're like way below the effort you would run for your 24 hour race or for your hundred mile race. Perfect. Perfect. That's great. Um, so if we compare this to, um, you know, a lot of traditional plans and, and well, you know, there's a lot of people that are just like, well, I can't, you know, commit that much time to, uh, to three days of, of training. 
So, you know, they look at doing, you know, a, a longer volume run. Um, when we look at the two, um, you know, is there, you know, more positives to doing one than the other? Um, is there a, you know, is there a preference? I mean, again, you know, it, we're, if we're, we're, we're working with the, the person who's like, I already work a ton and I just, you know, I don't have that kind of energy or time. I'd rather just do one single effort. Obviously that's, you know, that's what it is. Um, but you know, does, do you think the three day versus the one day, is it, you know, do you think it has to take more recovery for one or the other, or, you know, is there less of a, um, a downtime beforehand for say a one run? You know, wh what are your thoughts on, on the, var uh, the variance between the two? I would personally, uh, you know, taper a little bit more similarly, similarly to like a B or a C level race. If I were to do something like 40 to 60 miles, right? I would really want to go in fret. So if I was a working professional that knew I just wasn't going to be able to do three days of training in a row where I cover 70 miles in three days, right? Like I'm working 40 to 60 hour weeks. I've got a family. Like there's just no way I'm going to be able to load up that much training over the course of three days. But I do feel like I could get in the mountains with my buddies for a 50 mile day Saturday, right? <laughs> got the stamp of approval from the whole family. Like I'm going to be gone for the whole day maybe some of the night. <laughs> I do believe you should taper more similarly to like a B or a C level race where it's maybe not an A race goal, but you want to go in fresh and not beat up so that you don't hurt yourself on the 50 mile run. You kind of have to, in my opinion, like in my personal experience, you have to respect a 40 to 50 mile day. Like no matter if you're a pro, <laughs> no matter oh. if you're, um, you know, someone that's done 20, hundred mile races and, you haven't really done something like that in training before it, it beats you up pretty good. I also think there's a little more recovery time after from doing something like 40 or 50 compared to doing this more stretched out kind of training block over the course of three days. I feel as though when you go to something like Western States training camp, you have the ability to like get in a hot tub day one, get in a hot tub day two, you know, like relax, get in some nice cold water day, day, after day two in the river, you know, maybe day three, go back to the river. It's almost a vacation, right? Like you have all these opportunities to do some therapeutic, like water bath, right? Um, you're going to have some downtime because you're probably staying in a hotel. So you're going to maybe do a little more rope stretching. Whereas just, if you do a 50 mile day and it's going to be 12 hours in the mountains on the cruel drill course, right? Or 14, you're going to be beat up for a few days. It's 14 hours of time on feet, right? So my suggestion would be treat it more like a race on the way in and be conservative on the way out with some cross, like extra cross training, maybe two or three days of extra cross training. I would probably take five, four or five days off of running, following a 50 mile day in training and just ride my gravel bike, you know? Yep. Yep. Or some simple hiking. <clears throat> sure. Yes. I think yeah. it'd be very valuable. Yeah. Just some simple hiking. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Excellent. Um, so, I mean, you know, if we're looking at, um, just let's, let's stick with the, the one training run for, for this, um, when we talk 40, you know, 40 miles to hundred K we're, we're obviously talking about for, for training for a hundred miler, but you know, if, if we were to downsize and let's just say now we're talking 50 K, um, or even 50 miles, um, what's the reduction, you know, how much do you think somebody really needs to do, uh, leading up to a 50 K, you know? goal race or a 50 mile goal race so far as like their, their max training run. 
I think you could get away with getting a 20 miler in leading into a 50 K. I mean, I, I would, I would like to see a runner get in closer to the marathon mark, have some experience at the marathon before they do a 50 K. But if you can do a 10 miler on Saturday or Friday, like I like a 48 hour spread personally more. So I don't particularly like back-to-backs and don't prescribe them that much. You know that about me as your coach, right, Aaron? Yep. Where we may do our easy mid-range, something something of 14 to 15 miles length on Friday. And then on Sunday, we maybe do our 20 to 25-mile kind of session with like just a six-mile jog slash hike on the day in between to just make sure we don't overdo it. But if the time that you do have is Saturday, Sunday, that's your time to get your training in. You have to go back-to-back because you have a super busy job. I think you could do something around 10 to 12 on Saturday, 20 on Sunday. And you should feel as though if you can do that over the course of two days, like you should be able to nail 50 K, you know, mm-hmm. if you can cover it in two days in training at the end of a training week, I don't see why not. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and you know, stepping up to let's say the 50 mile, um, you know, what, what would you say there? Um, you know, I mean, like when I, when I look at my runners again, it's, it just depends on their experience, where they're at and how much, you know, um, the, how, where they're comfortable and how I feel they're going to recover. Um, you know, cause like you said earlier, you know, it doesn't have to be a ton, especially if it's going to be a lot of time on feet, but, um, you know, um, my kind of gauge is I, I, I kind of like to keep them at that, you know, 25, you know, maybe up to 50 K if, if they had like a, a race that they wanted to do, you know, in the build that has enough time in between the 50 K and, and the 50 mile effort. But what do you typically prescribe? Yeah. On a, if it's a race weekend like that too, Aaron, I think something good to do is, is similar to the math on the 50 K there where like, if we can cover around 40 to 42 miles over the course of two days, I feel like you're prepared for the 50 miler, right? It, it doesn't, it's not just linear all the way up because <laughs> if we did the math here, nobody's doing 50 on Saturday and 50 on Sunday to get ready for their hundred mile, right? <laughs> so this isn't linear the whole way. So that being said, I think as we get closer to the 50 mile distance, I'd feel pretty good about a runner doing 20, then 22 the next day. You know, that's maybe more of a road specialist that's kind of doing their first 50 miler. Like, I think that's a really good stimulus. 18, 22, 2022, something around there. Um, even 15 on Friday, 25 on Sunday. Like, I, I just think that that is an, that's an excellent stimulus for a 50 mile race. And if you especially can stack maybe like a six or eight mile jog and, you know, hour long bike ride in the afternoon on Saturday to just even more enhance that stimulus, that general tiredness heading into your longest run of the week that's just an excellent um, stance to have heading into it from a volume perspective. I guess we can go up the scale and look at the hundred K too, right? Sure. So I would say that if you can get in a good 50 mile weekend, even if it was just 50 in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to be pretty prepared as long as you didn't just like take Monday through Thursday off. You know, you want to go into that kind of tired and feel like, wow, the end of that long run, I didn't fall off right pace wise. It was, it was pretty close to about what I expected wire to wire uh, on my say 25, 50 K long run, mm-hmm. like at the end of a really big volume weekend. So those are kind of my gauges, you know, like we're, we're sort of chopping that 50. 50-
15 or 20% off, like as we go up the scale. Um, and for the hundred mile race, we've kind of talked about that already, right? Yeah. 70% of your weekly volume. If you're a runner that likes to run maybe one or two hundred mile weeks, like my coach, like, like Charmin heading into his hundred mile races. Um, he only does one or two in the builds and he's been top 10 in Western States nine times. <laughs> so I think he's got it pretty figured out that it doesn't have to be 120 to 140 miles a week all the time. Um, if you like to do 100 mile week or two heading in that big 70 miles over the course of three days is just great stimulus. It's awesome, but it comes with a lot of responsibility, right? Like you have to only do 30 or 35 heading in, right? You've got to be really smart. Um, given that it ends on Memorial day, Monday, like you've got to be smart Tuesday through Thursday, maybe even Tuesday through Friday, the following week, you know, get with a massage therapist, take care of your body, do some good mobility work with maybe a stretching rope, do some water therapy. Um, just make sure that on the way out, you know, we, we tell you, we tell you this on this cast with this responsibility that we're not setting you up for injury heading into your most important race of the season. And part of being healthy enough to get out of this unscathed is not only the lead up, but how, how you come out of it. And what are some factors that we can look at coming out of it to say, okay, I'm recovering. Okay. You know, what are some metrics folks can look to? Um, general functionality of the quads, especially on courses that are just like tons of downhill running in that three miles over the course of 70 days. Like it, I'm not going to run until my quads aren't totally crushed until I feel like they're actually functional, right? Like, like I can do a nice flat run in a grass field with proper use of my hip flexors and no discomfort upon landing on the midfoot forefoot when, when striking the ground, right? Until I feel good on a flat surface, a flat, soft surface, the week following a race, I'm definitely not going to hop on the trails. <laughs> now I would hop on the trails if I have trails right out my door and I just plan to hike for four or five days, maybe with the pack I plan to race with, keep it specific. Don't remove all stimulus. Like I think active recovery is essential. I don't think you should just sit around for four days because those quads aren't going to loosen up. Right? right. Right. But if you have any like, you know, glute, dysfunction or tightness or discomfort or hip flexor dis tightness or discomfort, or like I said, like maybe a small hamstring strain or some, some really like tender quads, be, be, be careful, right? Yep. You just got this huge stimulus. So what do we do after we apply stimulus? We let the body absorb it so we can get the most out of it. Yeah, sure. And you know, I, I was listening to uh Francisco, Poopy's um, podcast running long and he had a, a great guest on there and they were talking about, you know, don't forget about the mental side of it too. You know, you're, you're coming off of a, a big, long effort and, you know, mentally, even if you had a great time, you're going to be tired, you know, just, you just did a lot of stuff. So make sure that you allow your, your mental space to recover as well, you know, try to meditate, you know, kind of get your mental health back um, so that you're not fatigued and unmotivated moving into you know, this big race, you know, you want to make sure that you, you get re-excited, re-motivated and that you're motivated to get back out and train. And because otherwise it's just, it's going to be hard to get through your, your mental focus back. So make sure that mental side recovers as well. Um, sure. If you use something like, uh, insight timer or Aaron, you have a meditation like application. Headspace, yeah. You like yeah, a lot headspace. too. Yep. Headspace. Yep. So headspace is one insight timer is another, I mean, personally, it's helped me kind of get my general like desire to train back on track. And I think that's relative for any training block. Um, 
making sure that you come off of essentially what is just as taxing as a hundred miler, right? This week where you do close to your race distance um, over the course of three days or definitely during the course of the seven days of the training camp, you definitely want to make sure that you remove yourself from the situation for a second and say, Hey, I'm going to do some other things I enjoy in life for a few days and I'm not going to sit here in the dregs and think about how bad my quads hurt. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, maybe meditate, you know, maybe, you know, go ride your bike for enjoyment, maybe, um, you know, just, just walk, you know, and, and take care of your body and rest and relax. Maybe do a little meditation on a regular basis, do some other holistic things that make you feel good. And that could be just going and getting a beverage with a friend, right. <laughs> or a meal, like sure. don't in the final four weeks, if we hyper-focus on the event and the outcome, I don't think that we get the most out of what is possible for us as, as a runner. But if we have good like balance in life with our enjoyment of the sport we love and like the other things we like to do, I, I think we're more likely to have our best result possible. Absolutely. And yeah, and, and don't forget about the small things too. I mean, if, if you're having these big efforts, your nutrition is super important, right? You got to refuel, like make sure that you up your calorie intake. Because you're going to need that, especially if you got another big day the next day. So make sure your calorie intake is matching its output. Um, you know, sleep. Make sure that you're getting your rest, um, rehydrating, and and staying hydrated during you know your your runs. Those are all huge things to to make sure that you take care of little things and put yourself back to to running as quickly as possible. Because the more that you put those things off or don't take care of those little things, the longer it's going to take to recover. So. Um, to get back to it, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself um, and and track your sleep, you know, see how you're doing. It doesn't necessarily have to be on like, you know, a tracker, uh, like, like, what is it? Whoop or, you know, aura or anything like that. But, you know, just make sure that you're getting good sleep. If you're getting broken sleep, it's, you know, especially during it, it's a big effort. So your body's got all of these hormones and, and cortisols that are built up. So you may be having disrupted sleep, but you don't want that to be prolonged right? Like we want to make sure that your sleep pattern is getting back to it. Otherwise you're showing or exhibiting signs of a little bit of overtraining. So just monitor yourself and, and all of those signs, um, to make sure that you're getting back on track. Anything to add there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think you hit so many great points, you know, think about the micro as well. Like think about, Hey, I am having a little trouble sleeping. Are you putting the right things in right before bed as well? Are you doing something relaxing like a chamomile tea? Are you taking magnesium before bed? Um, you know, I, I don't ever particularly endorse, endorse like relying on melatonin, but I think that like magne magnesium is a good bet. And I don't think ashwagandha is a bad bet either. You know, just these like herbal holistic methods of winding down and lowering cortisol so that you can actually get, you know, deep REM sleep. So. Perfect. Great. Um, let me think. I'm just trying to think, is there anything that we hadn't touched on that, man, it would be. Well, to, to revisit a few subjects for sure, to just highlight the importance, sure. don't go to a training camp to race. You're not there to prove to the people you're going to race five weeks later that you can best them on a climb. That's not the point. The point is to get to know the course. Like that's the entire point of the training camp. Number one, get to know the course. Number two, apply some stimulus that is going to help you to work on your general durability and strength, mental and physical, you know, um, and come out unscathed. 
those are the three keys of any training camp. It's not to run the course fast or see how fast you can run it right. or guesstimate what your hundred mile finish time will be. That's just all silly. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, worth saying that if you get to day two and day two, you are absolutely crushed, you know, it's, it's okay to not do day three, you know, don't force it. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because you're there and you want to do it, but you know, I, I mean, you know, I can think of an unfortunate circumstance where I had an athlete that, you know, went to the training camp, sprained an ankle and, and tried to keep going probably, you know, did a little too much on that ankle, um, and forced a lot more recovery, you know, than we really needed to. So, you know, especially if, if something's bothering you, let's not force it, you know, and, and prolong a, a recovery time because, you know, we need to get you back and get you going to, you know, to get you to your goal event. So let's not prolong that, you know, by any means. Um, so be careful. And it, like I said, if it's too much, too fatigued, you're like, you know, whew, I, I think I just gave it all on day two, day three. It's, you know, it's okay if you cut it short rather that than, you know, again, horse training and, and put you into a state where you're just too tired. Yeah. Either cut it short or lower the intensity. Um, I, I feel like Ian, even in 2019, when we were preparing for the race, I was like, I think I'll just wear my puffy today and hike the last day. Like, wow, that's some maturity. Yeah. I'm a little sensitive in the groin. I can remember him saying groin or hip flexor or glute. I'm a little sensitive. I'm just going to hike day three. I'm like, wow, you're going to hike 18 miles. Well, yeah, I want to see every step. I want to see how it's changed over the course of the year. I want to see how the rain and erosion has changed the course. Yes, I've run it nine times, but this is an important year, right? So, and he was going for his 10th top 10. So he knew how valuable it was to see that section of the course, but he knew like the limiter on how hard he should push himself, right? And I think for any of us, that's the key is not letting ego get wrapped in the purpose of the weekend. Right. Right. Yeah. Check that out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. Cool. Um, anything else you want to add, Patrick, anything in, in closing? I think you've done a great job of kind of describing these big weekends and, and efforts. Um, but you want to, close yeah, you anything? know, if you do have the flexibility, um, where you maybe have a couple days on a couple days off, or let's say like you work on a platform, in the Mississippi on an oil rig for 10 day periods of time, but then you're off for 10, right? I have a, I've had a client that that's, that's done that in the past. Maybe you can stretch these out a little bit more. Like there's nobody hanging over your head that says you have to do it in 72 hours. Personally, I think I do better with Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, really big days. Like the biggest weeks I've ever done, maybe 20 to 22, 24 to 25, 30 to 35, but they're spread, bigger spreads, not 72 hours, right? More like what, 96, 112 or whatever, right? right. Like that, is it 110? Oh, yeah. So let's see, 96, well, 120. <laughs> One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bigger spreads. Like, like yes. these bigger spreads are very nice in terms of um, gathering stimulus, jogging in a grass field, big stimulus, jog in a grass field, and get creative you can make one of those big three a progression run. You could make one of those big three a really long 50K to marathon pace tempo run. You could do ins and outs, <laughs> you know, one mile hard, one mile easy for 10 within a 20 miler. I mean, there is a plethora of different things you could do. 
you could work with the coach and talk to them about, you know, hey, maybe I should do four by two miles or five by two miles within this giant session instead of just going out and jogging the 20 and then doing it again, then doing it again. You can add stimulus within long sessions. I mean, they, they've always been my favorite types of sessions, really long progression runs. I think they make you really strong for this type of specificity and speciality. So get inventive if you do have the flexibility in your schedule. And like, you know, you want to do something cool on the weekends with your friends. Like, can you do your longer on Wednesday? Get it out of the way. You know, like yeah. it doesn't, there's nobody saying it. Like long runs have to be on Sunday. I mean, I took Sunday off last week and, but I still got into multiple, you know, 20 to 25 mile runs last week. Right. So if you have flexibility and you maybe are fortunate enough to work for yourself, work from home and you can get creative, maybe Maybe that's your best day to have that long personal time is on those larger spreads when maybe the rest of your family is at school and work. Perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Patrick, again, I want to thank you for your, your time and your expertise. Um, and how can folks find you, connect with you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me uh, at my website, patrickreganrunning.com. Uh, backslash coaching is the coaching link for me and the three coaches that work with me. Um, and then... You can find me on Instagram at Patrick Reagan running or at the ultra wizard ramble. Thanks again to Patrick Reagan. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation. So much uh, information shared there. So uh, if you have questions, uh, reach out to either of us. Patrick's contact and my contact are both in the show notes. We'd be happy to, to answer questions. Um, and if you're looking for coaching, uh, reach out to us. You know, uh, if you feel you can connect with one of us better than the other, uh, you have either of our contacts. Uh, we're happy to, to talk about that as well. So uh, that said, I do have some space for some athletes. Um, Boston just came and went, and I'd like to congratulate my athletes. Um, I had some wonderful performances. Um, to, so congratulations. Uh, I had three athletes competing, and um, man, I, I mean... It was incredible. Uh, we didn't know what to expect because of the weather, but um, one of my athletes was, you know, a few seconds, maybe three or four seconds off of PRing, which was fantastic. Um, another one was trying to go sub three and was just off, and it was just, you know, it was incredible. So, um, really proud of the athletes and their efforts. The other um, had been kind of having some um, high hamstring tendinopathy, and uh, you know, I was just concerned, but um, their finish was, you know, uh, very impressive, given the fact that the weather was as as stated you know not uh, ideal uh and the condition of the hamstring so congratulations to all three of them um but as i said um I'm, you know i have some spaces that are open so if you're interested in coaching just get in touch with me happy to have that conversation um you know patrick and i we discussed my training after the zoom call uh and i had a great workout today uh my first real workout back since the 50 miler we did kind of a progressive tempo run uh, you can see it on strava uh i am recording this just to give you an idea on uh april i think today is the 19th um so you know if you want to kind of hear about my workout see my workout it's on strava um, you can find my link in the show notes. Uh, you can also follow me there. Um, a lot of people ask me questions about training, um, on the Strava platform, which is great. You know, reach out to me in whatever way is easiest to you. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily advocate you try to do the workouts that, that I'm doing, curtail them to yourself. Just as we talk about on this podcast, make sure that you individualize your training. If you see something on Strava, it doesn't necessarily mean it should be what you precisely do. 
you know, make sure it's where you're at and where your uh, capabilities lie. If you have questions about the terms that I use, um, by all means, give an ask. Uh, you know, I, I use some terms today in my description uh, talking about the various efforts and where they were. Uh, so if you're not familiar with those efforts, uh, you know, good questions to ask. And perhaps it's a, you know, uh, a topic for a further podcast in the future. So um, that said, uh, man, it's been busy, uh, as always. Track season, you know, we're getting to the end of the season here. We're getting to the championship season. I'm excited for the kids. We're starting to show some PRs and some speed coming around, which is super cool. Uh, so you know, I'm, I'm stoked to see them competing. Um, I'm taking them to the distance carnival this weekend. Craig Engel, who's, uh, he's, you know, he's been one of our, our top U.S. milers. He has a meet here in, in North Carolina. So I'm taking the kids to that. And they're just racing the either or both the 800 or the mile. And so that's going to be exciting. It'll be fun to be there. I think Craig will be there. Weather's looking a bit iffy, so uh, we'll have to see. But um, I'm excited for that opportunity for the kids. Um, that'll be a fun, fun, fun thing for them. So um, other than that, uh, you know, I, phew, uh, things are good. I can't complain. Uh, it's just, you know, trying to, trying to keep going with the podcast here uh, and, uh, and stay up to date with, uh, with all of you. Um, you know, as I said, training's going well, volume's building back, uh, looked at, uh, training peaks today. I've got about nine weeks to Western States. So, uh, super excited for that opportunity. Uh, looking into the training weekend myself, just making sure it's within uh, our budgetary means to uh, to go. I'd love to go see the last 70 miles of the course. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if that's uh, in the cards or not. So, um, but anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, please reach out to me or Patrick. Uh, we're happy to answer any questions. And as always, thank you for being a part of the MR Running Pains podcast. Until next time, keep running, my friends.